old has to die for the new to be born. So when we're doing some liver detox and we're coming in strong with the liver nutrients and the detox and the coffee enemas and a lot of liver stuff, you know, they're breaking down some old liver cells. Then they go to the medic and they say, AST is high, ALT is high, GGT is high, cholesterol is high. They say, your liver is a mess. And I'm saying, no, the old is breaking down, releasing all its content showing up in the blood and urine. So that's exactly what we want to happen. Hello and welcome to the Mineral Minded Podcast. Are you interested in learning more about vitamins, minerals, heavy metal detoxification, and natural health? We explore a range of topics that are related to mineral balancing science and hair tissue mineral analysis, including in-depth interviews, news, and commentary about the wonderful world of natural medicine. I'm your host, John Bumpus. Today on the Mineral Minded Podcast, I spoke with Dr. Robert Selig. Robert has a brilliant mind in the field of HTMA and mineral balancing science. He is a chiropractic doctor as well as a functional medicine practitioner, and he is the owner of Back to Natural Health in Lincoln Park, Chicago. Robert has over 30 years of experience and research in the field of natural health and offers one-on-one guidance to address the root cause of his patient's health conditions. He uses hair tissue mineral analysis, mineral balancing, detoxification protocols, and energy healing, and so much more. Dr. Selig teaches his patients both the art and science of natural healing to restore energy strength and vitality he makes getting back to health an exciting new journey so that you can live a life without pharmaceutical drugs avoid surgeries and roll back the aging process hey dr robert selig pleasure to have you here why thank you it's a pleasure to be here so i'm wondering as you know, we're the Mineral Minded Podcast. We have mineral minded practitioners of all kinds here. And you're a very a peculiar one that is a chiropractor that specializes in hair tissue mineral analysis. I know you go into alchemy and astrology and energetics of all sorts of stuff. You're like a modern wizard or shaman. <laughs> so um, maybe you can give us a little uh, insight on how you got into hair testing and your journey from. Being a Cairo does a lot of physical manipulation to mineral manipulation. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting story because um, when I was doing my um, bachelor work, I was uh, studying at the University of Massachusetts where I was studying sports medicine, athletic training. And I had to do a report on um, the ankle. And when I was studying the ankle, somehow I came up on a research article up in the library. And it was talking about ligaments, tendons, connective tissues, and there was a mention of copper. So for whatever reason, that copper just kind of tweaked my interest with the connective tissue connection to copper. And I never forgot about that. It wasn't in my report, of course, but that was the first thing that, oh, copper in, you know, in the medical articles really fascinated me. And then I just did a little bit of digging and I found about Wilson's disease. And, and then 
I had that in the back of my mind. And as, as a, you know, young kid, I was always breaking bones, spraining ligaments, pulling muscles. You know, every time I went to the dentist, I had a cavity. So between breaking bones and hurting myself, I knew I was a mess. <laughs> um, and that's what got me into chiropractic school. So I thought the chiropractic adjustment would fix everything. It didn't. So then I had to do a little bit more digging. And then in chiropractic school, we didn't really get much into the minerals. In fact, magnesium was not mentioned once in chiropractic school. Think really? about that. Not did once. They, did, they, did they cover nutrition at all? I'm they sure did. they do a we little bit. We had nutrition classes, but you know, we talked iron, we talked vitamin C, we talked vitamin D, we talked about some of the diseases of nutritional deficiencies. And then I got more into the Wilson's thing. And then I remember reading somewhere in Wilson's, you know, usually the, the child's born jaundice. And of course, I was born jaundice. So I knew that copper just came to me. And then after I um, graduated chiropractic school, I was, you know, doing, you know, adjusting everything. Anyone that would move from cats, dogs, people, I would adjust everything. <laughs> I wasn't getting the results that I wanted to get. And I was okay. thinking, well, there's got to be a metabolic portion to this. Why aren't the adjustments holding? I was told you adjust everyone. You're going to cure every ailment under the sun, which wasn't true. Of course, it helped. It absolutely was a great modality, the chiropractic, but I had to figure out what was the obstacle to the cure of why I wasn't taking my patient's health to that next better level. Why did their pains always come back? And then I started studying, you know, more into the nutrition. And then I got into homeopathy. When I started studying homeopathy, that's when I found out about the energetics of things. And then um, eventually, you know, probably about 10, 12 years ago, I started doing uh, the minerals, the hair tissue analysis to give me a better insight into the mineral matrix. And then that's really what started the journey into hair tissue analysis and understanding how important these minerals are for our physiology, biology, psychology, you know, how cosmology connects to the mineralogy, how it's all connected. And that was such a, a fascinating thing that has kept me on my quest of always seeking information. And that's where I am kind of today in a quick reader's digest version of my story. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Yeah, at some point, um, I think every practitioner, if you're an acupuncturist or a psychologist, mm -hmm. or whatever you do, comes to a point where they say, okay, I've exhausted what I can do in this domain that I, you know, studied in school. And we need to look more of a holistic kind of approach to what's going on. And nothing, at least to me, makes more sense than supporting and promoting the optimal cellular function because. I think that's a big one. And if you miss that, it's hard to have someone you might have, you probably see it every day, doc, um, Robert, about you know, people that don't support um, their self nutritionally, but then always have muscle cramps and aching pains or whatever in their body. And then they come to you and I, I, I suppose you're going to be more into nutritional support as well. Um, <laughs> do the adjustment. See you tomorrow. See you next week. Um, so do you, you incorporate nutrition in your practice now and along with homeopathy and stuff? Absolutely. It's the foundation of my practice is uh, nutrition and addressing the metabolic aspects of, of, you know, the cellular integrity because, you know, structure determines function. 
So that's why we do want to address the structural components. But we also, if we leave out the metabolic portion, we're missing the mark and we'll never, we'll never take someone's health to that next level. So that's why in my practice, it's a little bit of everything. So they come to me, they, they're going to know from day one that nutrition will be highly emphasized. Mineral balancing will be the hallmark of what I'm doing. Because again, if I don't fix the metabolic portion of the patient, I'll never fix them. And then we'll just be adjusting bone after bone after bone, day after day, and we'll never get anywhere. So I want results. So that's where I want it all. <laughs> no, that's great. I, it, you know, it reminds me of when I studied naturopathy and we were going through, like you mentioned, obstacles to a cure, which is an important principle. And then the other one is, you know, those disturbing factors and trying to remove those disturbing factors. Um, and they can be physical, they can be emotional, they can be, you know, I don't know about astrological. Do you, is there, I guess there would be some sort of conflicts in that area. Do you have any thoughts on that where someone might you know, have a predominance towards some sort of challenge or? So when I'm looking at someone, you know, when I profile a patient, I want to profile them from every aspect. I want to know about their medical history, their pharmacological history, you know, their emotional history, just their complete medical history. And I want to know about their, their mineral profile. I want to know about every antibiotic they've ever taken, every procedure, you know, from dental root canals to whatever. So you just, you're looking for all the energy leaks in the body. So part of the profiling is I want to know what day of the week you were born on. I want to know your major sun sign. And then I start to see some of the constitutional uh, profiles that you have. So if you're born on a Tuesday, I know you're going to be ruled by the planet Mars. And I know that Mars is going to have a correspondence to the metal iron, potassium, and zinc. And so that's always going to be in my spotlight. And so sometimes you can see these Mars warrior born on Tuesday. Maybe they're also an Aries or maybe they're also a scorpion and they got a lot of Mars in their cycle. So I know that if that Mars energy isn't in balance, then they could be too aggressive. They could have too much um, iron toxicity or on the flip side, they could be anemic and they're not going to be, be able to fight the righteous fight because they're going to be the doormat and get walked on because they don't have the blood to fight the good fight because you need that oxygen to go to the muscles so you can you know fight or flight. And so understanding the energetics of the planets that dominate in someone's chart becomes paramount to help move the case forward. And that's how I use a little bit of everything to profile a patient. Did that make sense? Makes sense to me. I know I have, I've studied a lot, a lot of the natural arts. So um, astrology is not one I actually really got too much into. Um, and I, it was part of our curriculum. It's just, I always had this aversion for it because I looked at it and I was like, that's complicated. And it felt overwhelmed and I just kind of danced away from it. Um, but I, I do know that like um, when I studied herbalism, it's completely intact. They talk about planetary aspects of herbs and different planetary aspects of organs as well. And I didn't get too much into much further than that. Um, but, but when I was doing my own reading, it came to um, this interesting idea that 
astrology was practiced by most physicians up until like the 17th century. And that was like, if you were like a doctor, you would have studied astrology and incorporated it in your practice. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or Yes, absolutely. Um, Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, remember he gave us that famous quote, let food be thy medicine, medicine thy food. His other quote was, you can't call yourself a doctor if you're not well schooled and versed in astrology. So when I read that quote, I said, now I got to study astrology. So as soon as I had graduated chiropractic school, I discovered homeopathy and started studying that and got into the energetics and got into the, the astrology component to it because every alchemist, Paracelsus, um, Samuel Henneman, they were truly alchemists and alchemists understand the energetics of the cosmos. And so I wanted to bring those two worlds together where we're looking at science, which is our physiology, our biochemistry, and all the stuff that we love. But then we have the art, that's the alchemy. So when the art and the science come together, now we have a true healing modality to really raise the vibration because it's all energy, energy, vibration, frequency. And so Tesla told us about that. Every great clinician of the past has always told us about that. So energy animates matter. So we have to understand the energetics if we're going to really understand how we can see the pathology in a case. We have to understand what is the energetic block. And then we have energy-based medicines to help us move the case. And then we can look at the energetics of the minerals when we're doing mineral balancing so we can see some of the shortcomings and some of the over-exaggerations, the under-exaggerations of the energetics of what the, the metal represents as it corresponds to a planet. And so just putting that all together is really has been kind of my life's journey and always discovering new things and just trying to find mineral-planet correspondence. And that is not easy to do because there's not a lot of information on that. So my research is really limited, but I keep digging and digging and keep discovering gems here and there. And it's been an amazing journey of putting this whole world of the art and the science together, because that's where the next step in medicine has to go. And if we just have a myopic view and we're just looking at biochemistry and trying to you know, manipulate the, the minerals and stuff like that. You know, we have to understand there's a vital force, a life force that we don't truly understand everything about it. But understanding the energetics behind gives us a chance to really encapsulate all of it, to put it together so we can, you know, when I'm prescribing homeopathic remedies or when I see someone that's in a calcium shell or a four low, I understand some of the energetics behind what the calcium shell represents or what the four low, because I'm going to go right to the planet Saturn, and then I'm going to understand the themes of Saturn and see some of these themes in the patient. And that gives me insight in how I can prescribe some homeopathic to help in that department. So that was long-winded. There's a whole <laughs> lot of there. So like, first, I just wanted to, let's see if we can unpack it a little bit. So um, merging the, the unknown with the known world, the unknown is like that mysterious, subtle reality where human instrument can really dwell into, right? The energetics of things, the mind, and then there's the objective, which is more measuring with, an, you know, um, some sort of 
device or something. It's subjective and objective, right? Subjective is how you feel your thoughts. It's kind of a private world. The objective world is more what you can measure, what you can see, you know, what other, a third person can see, you know, physical signs um, of what's going on with the person, whereas symptoms sometimes can be a little bit more private that you have to kind of get that out of someone. So when you merge the subjective and the objective together, you get a truly holistic understanding of what's going on with someone. Um, I think that's, you know, what you're touching on with going with <laughs> the energetics and the physics there is kind of that one, which I think is fantastic. Um, you know, the, the other thing you, you touched on a lot of stuff. So, <laughs> um, the other one you talked about the vital life force, vital life force, um, is called a lot of different things in different practice, uh, different traditional medicines. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I like to call it the inner physician. You know, I think it, it's the healer that any practitioner, if you go and see the outer physician, the doctor, um, a lot of people go to them and they think, hey, that person's going to heal me. I need to go to this majestic doctor um, and they're going to heal me. And any true uh, physician, maybe you can comment, <laughs> Dr. Robert, about, um, you know, the true healer and even the true, you know, path of a doctor is to encourage the persons or the patients or the client's own healing ability. And that's what's going to do all the magic, whether or not it's physical minerals um, homeopathy, acupuncture, whatever you're going to do, you're trying to encourage that vital life force to do its work, that inner physician, you know, that inner healer. That's uh, a good name. I like that, the inner healer. But the vital force to me is so important. So when we see um, someone going through a mineral balancing program, we as clinicians have to be able to delineate you know, when, when something happens, are they getting worse or are they getting better? So I have to be able to see where the vital force is going. You may be dumping a metal and that may cause some acute symptoms that show up, but I have to be able to delineate, is this really, are we, you know, is the disease progressing or is the disease reversing? The healing so reaction. We're always looking at the vital force, you know, and then when you think about part of the healing journey is, you know, every doctor takes that Hippocratic oath and under the Oracle of Delphi, under the God of Apollo, it says, physician, know thyself, physician, heal thyself. So every physician worth, worth their weight and salt must be working on themselves. So you, we earn the right as we heal ourselves, then we earn the right of passage to help others. And so if we don't work on ourselves, then we become the hypocrite, or, you know, just we're talking smack and we're <laughs> You know, so I think it's so important that every clinician in the healing tradition is always working on themselves. And that's part of has been my quest because I always trusted that my body will heal whatever comes my way. And I've dealt with, you know, broken bones and bad teeth and, you know, a gazillion things along the way dealing with my own copper toxicity. But I knew that I would eventually, you know, take it to that next level. And I never gave up and I kept on moving, but I always remembered physician, know thyself, heal thyself. And so then I've taken that to heart so I can be, you know, the best practitioner for my patients in my environment. Did I answer that question or did I leave well, something out? It's just, I, I wasn't really a question. It was just kind of like a, a statement that we both got on the vital life force, you know, like, um, it's, it's interesting you touched on like the healing reaction, the disease reaction and um, going across the razor there where um, if an exaggerated healing response 
goes too long, um, at least in my perspective, and is that um, all symptoms are signs of the body trying to heal. It's the vital life force doing something. But mm-hmm. um, so if all if that's true, then someone with a symptom or a sign or whatever that they've had for five, ten years, it's the body attempted cure, but doesn't. You know, it's like, so it just doesn't completely get there. So they have this disease reaction rather than the healing reaction. It's a matter of perspective and how long it's taken and if it was able to actually do it, right? Someone always has headaches or whatever. That's a sign symptom, but they can be temporary if you're dumping metals or they could be chronic. Um, Both are the result of the vital life force. Do you agree with that part? Oh, yeah. Um Yeah. You know, just kind of working with many patients, you see that they're going through a metal dump. I had this, um, you know, she's in her 70s and she had an extreme mercury dump. So I saw her hair test. I knew she was dumping copious amounts of mercury, which is great. You always want those metals coming out. But the mercury dump irritated the kidneys, causing her blood pressure to spike. So her blood pressure went like 185 over 110. And people are freaking out. And I said, um, I had a teller, I go, you can go to the emergency room and they'll undo everything that we've worked hard. If we dog it out and we manage this and we slow some things down, add a couple things here, we can get that blood pressure, you know, give me a week or so, we'll get that blood pressure back to, you know, it'll come back to earth. And as we're dumping this metal, yeah, it's going to irritate the kidney. So she was courageous and said, you know, I understand that. I'm not going to go to the doctors and have them put me on, you know, diuretics or calcium channel blockers or angiotensin medications. She wanted to do it the natural way. And she knew that she could go through this, you know, aggravation of having the high blood pressure, which caused her eyes to be a little bit dizzy, a little bit of headachey. But she dogged it out. Within a week, her blood pressure came back to earth. And so it took courage that we didn't panic. But you know, when you see someone's blood pressure, like alarmingly high, you know, I knew that I had about a month before I had to worry about a stroke or heart attack or something serious. So yeah. I was, uh, I, you know, I gave her full disclosure. I said, you can go to the emergency room if you want, but they're not going to really fix what we've been working on, you know, and getting you healthy. So she dogged it out and was courageous and went on the hero's journey and she's still doing great. So those are some of the things that we see in everyday practice. So, you know, we may see um, someone that had eczema as a kid and all of a sudden we put them on a mineral balancing program. All of a sudden that eczema comes back. So I'm looking at it from the laws of cure. That's a good thing. So I got to make that eczema where it's where it's tolerable, where it's not going to really, you know, psychologically throw them off or physiologically throw them off where they have the courage to get through it to make the symptom doable but understanding it's part of the laws of cure as they go on this healing quest because that eczema that was suppressed with you know steroids or whatever they were taking now it's showing its face so now we're healing what wasn't healed you know 20 years ago 30 years ago so that's part of the laws of cure so that's why mineral balancing is such a fascinating thing. It's when we talk about retracing, which I think is what you're kind of alluding to there, where you could have something in your past and then it starts to come up again. Is that what you're kind of touching on or just someone that's been exactly chronically what I'm and, about. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, that yeah. is, that's amazing. And when that happens to 
people sometimes they're like in disbelief when you first tell them about it because i always tell everyone healing reactions are going to come up you know you probably might not feel great sometimes <laughs> don't expect just a you know a plus energy all the time like the body does healing and it has to rest for certain points and whatnot um, but retracing is a fascinating one where you have people with old ear infections or people that had chronic bronchitis growing up that now have throat stuff starts to come up again or they start coughing up things and they think they have a cold and they don't and uh you know <laughs> fascinating work and it's yeah are you trying to dip into like that homeopathic idea where you would you go from the top down or no from the bottom up from the inward to the outward Inside out. yeah absolutely that's part of the laws of cure and that's where when I'm using homeopathy, so when we're going through a mineral balancing program and someone that had, we'll use the eczema as a child example, and all of a sudden that eczema shows up, you know, and they haven't had it in 15, 20 years. They've been symptom-free. Now, all of a sudden, it shows up. So now, this is where I come in with the homeopathic remedy to minimize the aggravation of the, of the eczema that just was, you know, itching or ugly or whatever it was. And so, that's always part of the laws of cure. And that's what makes retracing such a fascinating part of this because our, you know, as clinicians, part, the hardest thing is working someone through an aggravation. You know, do they, they think they're dying? They think they're getting worse. They think, you know, this isn't working. And I'm saying this is exactly what is supposed to be happening because we look back on the case history. Remember you had eczema when you were seven years old, when you hit that mercury cycle, we went into that you know, that eczema flare up back then. And then you took the antibiotics, you took the steroids and it went away. And now here we are 20 years later, yeah. now it's showing up again. So understanding the psychology and the physicality of going through a retracing is probably the hardest thing as clinicians of how do we guide them through it? Maybe we have to slow down the nutrients. Maybe we have to up some of the detoxes. Maybe we come in with the homeopathic remedy. So we got little things in our toolbox to help guide them through the aggravation, the herx, the retracing or whatever you want to call it. And I ask you like, uh, you know, a question that I don't really, I, I think my answer is probably going to be similar to yours. But when it comes to using homeopathy to help symptoms, there's some people that think if you stop the symptom with the homeopath, homeopathic remedy, you're basically doing what a pharmaceutical drug would do with your managing symptoms you, you could be blocking healing um, or sometimes people you know try to encourage it so for example um, if you have a fever do you use a sauna right the sauna creates a fever or do you try and use cold therapy to stop the fever right um, so in homeopathy if you had someone say eczema in some way it's a symptom of the body trying to get stuff out of, of and, and into you know, out of the body, basically through the lymphatic system or whatever. Um, and so, so I'm just curious, like you would be more interested in slowing that down or like, like, what are your thoughts? Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, is that clear? <laughs> it depends on the patient. Some patients will say, I don't care about the aggravation. Let's just keep pushing through. Okay. Some people say, Oh, I got a flare up. It's, you know, I can't go out in public, you know? So it always depends yeah. on who we're dealing with. Who's the patient. What's okay. their constitutional makeup? You know, and, and I, whenever I prescribe a homeopathic remedy, I never look at it that we're slowing the healing uh, 
the healing reaction down. I'm looking at we're working with the vital force to make it doable because it's a marathon. We're not trying to hit the home run. We're trying to keep getting people stronger. Every year, they get a little bit stronger. They get a little bit more mineralized. They dump more metals. And it takes time. We know we can't do this in, you know, one year. You know, healing is that marathon. So we got to be able to walk that hero's journey and understand that we're going to hit speed bumps along the way. When we hit the speed bump, we don't panic. We don't have fear. We look at it first. We make sure, are they getting worse? (laughs) You know, we have to be able to delineate that. You know, maybe there's a cancer that's growing and I didn't see that. Or maybe it really is a retracing or a Herx reaction. So that's why you always want a trained eye in your corner. And that's why having clinicians that understand the retracing process and understanding the importance of the medical history. So I never shy away from working with people, getting them through a retracing. I want to just make it doable. That's my main goal. And so I never look at it like I'm slowing the healing process down. Okay, cool. never it's just an it. idea. It's, you know, because I know that there's different perspectives. So I just I'll appreciate your your thoughts on that. Because I you know, do agree with you. It's not like, oh, if I don't take my supplements, I'm going to stop healing. It's like, no, you won't. You know, in some cases, like you, it's like compliance, right? Uh, compliance is the best medicine, not the best supplement or the best herb. It's what you're actually going to do. And if you're going to go slower and it's more tolerable for you, that's better than, you know, just going to town and just, <laughs> you know, really detoxing every single day. Like, some people do. I've had clients that are just like, you know what? I'm ready. I've wasted enough time. I just want to go through it, you know, and they, that's what they want to do. And they want to just <laughs> go hard. Um, but I have had others where it's like, um, you know, they micromanage every little symptom that they have and anything that comes up, they see it as another problem. And it, you know, and th- you have to work with them a little differently. You know, it's not like one way is better than the other. It's just we all choose our path. And there's at the end of the day, there's more than one way up the mountain, right? Um, Absolutely. So many ways to skin the cat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and you said that it's about being, you know, compliant. You know, I don't expect you to be perfect. I expect you to be, you know, compliant with most of the stuff that I'm recommending. I don't mind when people say, "Oh, I'm going to be traveling. Take a few days off. No problem." I don't want to be so rigid where we can't enjoy life and understand when the holidays come around or traveling happens or we're going through a detox or whatever. So I always want to be able to adjust to where the patient is. But I I like that. That theme is we don't want to be so rigid in our approach. We want to just say, you know, stay compliant for most of it, you know, do that 80, 20 rule, 70, 30 rule. Um, We'll get success and we will you know, get up that mountain, but we just have to maybe go a little bit slower, maybe take a step back. Maybe we put, you know, this, you know, go into fifth gear and take it up a notch. So we always have to play where the patient is at. Right. And so, so when I see like some client, I'm very similar. I'm always like, I'm really relaxed when it comes to diet. I understand it's important, but I always say eat real food, you know, like that's the best thing. (laughs) Like you can complicate as much as you want, but like, Hey, if you want pizza, go make the pizza. Do everything yourself. That's way more enjoyable. And as soon as you get in the kitchen, that's when the healing happens, really. Not going and ordering someone to make you fresh pizza. You know what I mean? Like like getting in the kitchen, being in the kitchens where um, a lot of stuff happens as well. Um, but real food is important. I've had clients, you know, they go, oh, well, I, 
every time I go to my mom's, I can never have, you know, the pie that she makes or something. And I'm always like, just have it, like, like enjoy it because we talk about physical nutrition. Well, there's spiritual nutrition, <laughs> you know, like the soul yeah. food of going being with mom and having that, you know, don't just be like, oh, I can't eat that mom. And like, you're missing out on memories and, you know, <laughs> I gotta say it's like soul nutrition, you know? Um, so there's more to it than just, yeah, being like puristic, I guess. And you're saying rigid, which um, I, I, you know, like the, the ancient Taoists and all that always said it's good to be adaptable you know fluid and like like a blade of grass when the winds come you you flow with it you don't you know um resist it and i think that's kind of like uh where a lot of people end up with that calcium shell you know they get very rigid and they pick up the properties of calcium and the properties of those kind of things the rigidity and that um the dryness and whatnot <laughs> and they, they they kind of bring it out in them so like their mineral chemistry starts to affect who they are as a person right and as you start to even change hey i'm going to be a bit more fluid or a bit more relaxed and things hey that alone can change your pattern into the right direction it's just it's not always just taking supplements you know and um i often bring up this idea of like when you're in a calcium shell for example a lot of times they're kind of like frozen like um like they've just stared at medusa and they've turned to stone you know that if there's fight, there's fight, there's flight, and then there's freeze. Well, those slow oxidizer calcium shells are—they've gone through so much, you know, trauma or whatever it is that they're in that freeze state, and they become like a statue. And so, getting them to be a bit more fluid with diet, a bit more fluid and open of playing around a little bit, taking breaks from their supplement—I think all of that is part of the healing thing as well. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that was beautiful. I'm glad you brought up the food because um, I've seen every diet fail. You may need to you know, go on a keto diet for a year. You may need to go vegan for a year. You may need to do whatever diet, but every diet ultimately fails. So I'm like you. I say, eat locally, eat organically, eat seasonally, and eat intuitively. Trust yourself. Have the spice of life. Don't be so rigid. So when you talk about that calcium shell and that rigidness, that's Saturn. Saturn is order and structure. When you become too ordered, too structured, you become rigid. That rigid is that calcium shell. And that's where I can come in with, you know, many Saturn-related uh, homeopathic remedies. You know, you come in with the calcium families, um, the calcfos, the calcarbs, the calcfloors. You come in with stromotium. You come in, there's a gazillion Saturn remedy. So if you see someone that's too rigid in this mindset or that mindset, we have to soften it, make them more flexible so we can break this wall down. And when we understand that food, remember that old saying, the, the macrobiotic becomes macro neurotic. So we want to enjoy food. We want that, that, you know, we really want the spice of life to eat a little bit of everything. It's a birthday party. Have the cake. You know, you're going to make yourself cuckoo if you don't understand. It's okay to, to have an indiscretion without the guilt rotting you. I want that freedom in my patients to say, it's okay to eat, you know, within reason. It's okay to have your guilty little pleasure for, you know, once in a while. And so my goal is not to make them so rigid to be fearful of a tomato or a peanut or this or that is to build them up so they'll never 
fair food because food is meant to be eaten and enjoyed. And that raises the vibration when we feel that food vibration. It's one of the most beautiful things. So I love that you brought that up because the last thing I want to do is, is micromanage every morsel of you can only have this many, you, know, you got to have this many vegetables or this much protein and you got to have zero sugar. Where's the fun? You know, right. life is meant to be enjoyed. Healing should be enjoyable. So we always want to bring the right attitude to our healing, whether we're popping the pills when we're, you know, I always tell patients when we're taking a, um, let's say we're taking magnesium, when you're taking magnesium, feel the magnetic energy of the sun. You're taking in the life force. When you're taking that zinc, you're taking Mars, you're taking the moon, you're taking that Jupiter energy into you. So even when I tell someone to take a homeopathic remedy, I say, take the remedy, hold it to your heart and say, ask yourself how you want that remedy to help you. So you do your own blessing, your own prayer. So you're potentizing the remedy with your intention. It's all about intention and rhythm and vibration. So you kind of incorporate like affirmations with that time that people spend to take their supplements. You know, it's like, well, that, that's beautiful. Um, I've, yeah. I've thought of that a lot. My wife, you know, talked with me about that quite a bit. And we learned it um, from flower essences, right? You would take yeah. like a pansy or whatever, blue pansy, and then be like, now think about, you know, this affirmation of this flower. And that it's the remedy for whatever you're going through, but then also you spending time and getting back into that state. Of, this is what I intend with this is a lot better than mindlessly taking something, you know. Um, and you know, just just to touch it, just the last thing on that food was like when you were talking, it, it reminded me of um, you know if you deny yourself of eating that cake or whatever it is, um, but instead you go and you eat the organic, you know blessed by monks whatever food you get you know um and you don't enjoy it versus the person that eats the cake and enjoys it which one's actually getting more nourished there i would probably say the person eating the cake because if you're not enjoying your food you're not you're not getting nourished <laughs> to me at least regardless of what physical stuff's there i think it's a bit more like you know that enjoyment as you said very important it is. And there's, you know, there's, there has to be a balance. If all you're eating is Twinkies, Ding Dongs and Ho-Hos and crap <laughs> and garbage, you know, of course we got to have some, right, you know, right. some discipline, but people in the health community, they tend to get so rigid and I can't eat this. I can't eat that. I don't want these phobias of food. I want that food to be life. And so again, if you want to have cake, you know, get your own eggs, get your, get some good flour, get the best ingredients that you can buy and make that's it yourself. Yeah, that's it. And, and that's where the kitchen becomes the alchemical laboratory to really create. That's health. what I was getting on before. So, so that, that's why I love that you brought yeah. that up because we yeah. see, we see in our business, people get too fanatical. And so that fanaticism just becomes very crazy and that can increase a shell or do something to a mineral pattern because we're yeah. not enjoying the beauty of life and food is certainly one of the great beautiful things of life and so i want people to enjoy their food to digest their food um, and so that's why i really love the fact that you brought that up and i think it's a great thing because not enough clinicians are emphasizing the joy of eating so we better have a healthy relationship to food, not to control and micromanage everything, 
But having that good, healthy relationship, I think, is paramount to really, you know, raising the vibration. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious about your thoughts on uh, this is something I learned from Dr. Paul Ack, and it was that um, taking your supplements regularly, you know, I re- if usually if you're on a mineral balancing program, we say take them regularly, sometimes three times a day, sometimes more, depending on what you're doing, right? Sometimes once a day. But it's that setting that cadence, continually taking it to kind of shift things in the direction we intend to do. Um, so some people are super rigid with their supplements and they will take them at the same time, always three, four, t- whatever it says for the recommendation. And they'll do that, you know, faithfully, I guess is the word religiously. <laughs> I don't know what it is, um, but, but they'll just stick to that program. But Dr. X said, well, it's a great idea to actually take a break from your supplements. Right. He said, because a lot of the healing happens when you set the cadence and you keep providing vitamins and minerals in. And then you take, you don't give them one day. And the body has to do micro adjustments now because it got lazy getting all of these things coming in now. And now that you're not taking it, it's like, oh, it wakes it up, so to speak, you know, and it goes, hey, we, we got, we got to use our reservoir. We need to do something. And he said, so a lot of healing can happen when you don't take your supplements. Um, you know, for a day or two, just to kind of bring that up. Have you come across that? Do you incorporate that? Um, Oh, yeah. You know, I always, yeah, I work a lot with the magic seven, you know, so I always have that seven in the back of my mind. And we know that, you know, on the seventh day, God rests. So take one day off, (laughs) you know, take one day off where you don't have to take anything. Maybe if you want to take a little digestive support because you're prone to constipation, fine. But don't be so rigid. So I always like to encourage people to take one day off from everything. Yeah, um, too. That's why I didn't know that. But it's nice to know you do that, too. Yeah. And then, you know, I always tell patients, I go like in the kidney hour, we want to be able to get those liquid nutrient minerals into our water so the kidneys will activate them during the kidney hour. So I'm always looking at where their weakness is constitutionally. And I said, this is a good time for you to take this remedy because it fits your astrological profile. And so there's that the energetics of things, but I don't hold it so rigid where they always have to do it because every day can be a little bit different. So we don't know what's going to happen on any given day. So I'm looking for consistency and I'm looking for that they just follow the protocol with freedom to take days off with freedom to say, I don't feel like taking this. Then I hear a lot of people that they're doing coffee enemas. I say, take a week off from coffee enemas and just let your own body just flow. And, and people say, well, if I don't do the coffee, I'm not going. I say, you'll go, you'll be just fine. And then they're usually 99% of the time they're just fine. So I, I don't want people to get so addicted to just, I got to do this. I got to do that. Because again, that brings out that rigid Saturn energy mm-hmm. and that can be detrimental in the healing program. You touched on that, that seven, the magical seven. I know you correlate with the chakras and the life stages and stuff. Um, and you can chat about that if you want. But uh, have you come across this idea? Um, I think it was in German New Medicine. I think I come across a recall healing if you come across those works. Um, but they talk about, say, if you had this health issue come up at age 24, you could like half that age and say 12 and then go, what happened at? age 12 was there a trauma or something that come up or you can also go by dividing by seven in different stages to see different time periods where something might happen that influenced something to come up 
Um, do you incorporate that at all? Like, you know, the halving or the divided by seven on the day, you know, some people might, you might see it in your office on this day, I had a spinal injury and workers comp or whatever. And then you can divide by seven, divide by seven, and go work with them to see if there's a time when, you know, divided by seven, that, that would come up. <laughs> or I know you use it in a different way, but do you use it like that or? I use it in a little bit different way. Now, here's an example of uh, Mars, Tuesday. So Tuesday is the day of Mars. What do we do in, in culture on Tuesdays? Vote on Tuesdays, declarations of war on Tuesdays, presidential speeches on Tuesday. And of course, the infamous 9-11 was on a Tuesday. So that's the energy of Mars. That's that martial war energy. So we always want to understand the energy. And when you look at the seven-year cycle, so when we look at the Magnificent Seven, the seven visible orbs to the naked eye is truly the Magnificent Seven. That Magnificent Seven corresponds to the seven chakras, to the seven endocrine glands, to the seven layers of skin, to the seven cervical vertebra, the seven days in the week, the seven colors in the rainbow, the seven verses in the Lord's Prayer, you know, the seven seas, the seven sins, the seven virtues. So we understand the power of seven. That's just coincidence. So, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Everything's a coincidence. So then, you know, when we look at the cycles of time, the first zero to seven years is the moon cycle. So I'm always looking at what happened in that moon cycle for the child. So the moon governs the nocturnal. What does the baby do the first year of life? It sleeps. Right. The moon governs the breast and the stomach. What does the baby feed off of the breast milk? And, you know, we understand that this moon energy has everything to do with the unconscious and the dream world. So nothing's going to reflect like the moon. So when we think of the moon, we think of the water. We think of the menstrual cycle because the water is the blood. So the moon is a 28-day cycle. The menstrual cycle is a 28, 29-day cycle. So we see that correspondence. And when that moon energy is off, because maybe the woman later in life is having, you know, periods from hell and stuff like that. And so that corresponds to that moon energy. So when I see this moon energy showing up, then I know I can come in with a moon remedy. So when I look at the seven cycles, you know, zero to seven is the moon. Then when you hit age seven to 14, you go into that Mercury cycle. That's curious, George. That's uh, intelligence. And communication. And that's when we get a lot of the throat infections in the air and sinus infections. And so we see that in that mercury cycle. And then when we hit age 14, what comes online? Puberty. That's the first copper timeline between 14 and 21. Then we go through three seven-year sun cycles. Then when we hit age 42 to 49, that's Mars. Mars rules the gallbladder. People don't understand that gallbladder is connected to Mars. Most people get their gallbladders removed during that 42 to 49 year window. And that's the calcified aggression that wasn't dealt with energetically. Then that calcified aggression becomes the gall stones, the gall of life, the bilious temperament. And then, and then when we go into 49 to 56, we hit the Jupiter cycle. That's when most people put on weight because Jupiter rules the liver. Jupiter is growth and expansion. When we're not growing and expanding consciously, we grow and expand around the waistline. So most people get the high cholesterol, the bilious stuff, you know, the liver fire rising, you know, the floaters in the eyes, the headaches, the grinding of the teeth, you know, all the neck pains and stuff. When that liver fire rises, 
we got to understand that liver Jupiterian connection. So we come in with remedies to help soothe that and work through that. And then the final cycle is um, the Saturn cycle from 56 to 63. So I'm in my Saturn cycle right now. I'm 59. So I'm doing everything to focus on Saturn, bones, skin, teeth, and nails. The first three months in my Saturn cycle, I have an old mercury filling that fell out. So that was, you know, it's like, I got to pay attention to my teeth. Then about six months ago, I broke this digit. So that's another Saturn energy. So everything right now I'm paying attention to strengthening my teeth and my bones. So I'm doing a lot of Qigong, understanding everything about calcium metabolism. And I'm really understanding the energetics of Saturn, which is cold and distant. So I'm learning how to be by myself. I'm learning how to do some meditation. I'm learning how to do the Qigong bone tapping (laughs) during the seven year cycle. I'm ready for Saturn. So I don't break any more bones or any more teeth fall out. But you're doing um, calcium supplementation, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So you do just cure. Everyone comes at it a little different. Are you taking it up to the RDA? Are you going higher than that? You know, over a thousand milligrams or just curious if you don't have to share. You know, I, I vary from day to day. I don't say I have to take X amount of pills of, you know, usually I take a coral legend, which is from premier research lab, which is okay. a calcium magnesium. And I love uh, that company because they have the highest quality. So some days I may take a few more pills. Some days I may take a few, a few less pills. So it depends on how I'm feeling. I'm always listening to my body. I kind of muscle test myself to see, I need to take a couple extra more, but every day I'm probably taking a little bit of a calcium remedy, whether I'm taking, you know, calcium or whether I'm taking silica or whether I'm taking stromotium homeopathically, or whether I'm taking other cell salts or, you know, all related to that Saturn theme. But energetically, I understand the theme of Saturn, but Physically, I'm working on my bones, so I'm doing, you know, a lot of bone type of exercises. Um, Understanding that Saturn is, you know, you have to understand that Saturn is cold and distance. It's the furthest planet from the sun, so you have to learn how to be by yourself. So that's where the meditation practice comes in. And then Saturn is death and darkness and aging. So I'm reading the the Tibetan book of dying, you know, I'm embracing the death because I'm in this Saturn cycle. So I don't want to fear death. I want to understand it. When we understand it, we transmute it. And that's what, when we're in these cycles, then we're just, we, we strengthen whatever cycle we're in. We, we use that cycle to strengthen that. So we don't break bones or, you know, cavities, old cavity fillings fall out. So that's kind of in a simple nutshell. Then once you finish that Saturn cycle, then it repeats. You go back into a moon cycle, a Mercury cycle, a Venus cycle. And hopefully I can go through two Saturn cycles. So that means my goal is to make it to a buck 20. You know, (laughs) and most people will barely make it into one Saturn cycle because the health in this country is God awful. So that's kind of how I use those cycles. Love it. I I use, um, at least in my own, like, for my own personal work, uh, incorporating the energetics of like the seasons. So I learned, you know, about Taoist medicine and we always go into like, you know, it's springtime. So it's liver energy and we get with the liver and it's that, that growth energy because that's what happens in the springtime, everything grows. And then, you know, but when you're talking about Saturn, it reminds me of winter energy, you know, you let go of everything that you've done in the past and you kind of 
like, like the trees let go of the leaves the flowers go within everything goes inside you know it's like that winter energy where you get intimate with yourself again you know <laughs> so it just reminded yeah, me exactly and that like saturn that. is the winter which represents death everything's dying yeah. and then everything will be reborn in the spring which is that jupiterian energy that's why the Taoists were really way ahead of their time yeah you know, even in chinese medicine we got the the five elements in chinese medicine and so their fifth element is wood wood to me represents a tree and a tree can only be a tree if it has the fire of the sun the air the water and the earth then we create the tree of life the tree of knowledge the aortic tree the the bronchial tree how man according to steiner is an inverted tree but we need the elements to create the magic so when those four elements come together, then we create the quintessence, and that's the magical fifth note. And that's the beauty of alchemy is using it energetically. So we're always trying to see where we're having a trouble with. Maybe it's a Jupiterian energy. Maybe it's a Venus energy. And right now we know that copper is one of the most dysregulated metals in all of human physiology. So I look at why does everyone have a copper issue? So I look to the planet Venus and what's the planet Venus? Love, fertility, sex, relationships, art, beauty. And so where do we have conflicts with our sexuality? Where do we have conflicts with our relationships? And when we start to grasp the energetics for that, then the copper metabolism will start to resolve. So that's how I use kind of the energetics of these planets. That's fantastic. So, yeah, so you, you do use the astrology with the hair test. Have you found like um, certain people's sun signs or anything to be more likely to be in certain patterns? Or is it more like just using it, like you've said, with individual minerals and then their, their kind of qualities um, with things? And, and just to kind of add on to that, maybe um, like there's ideals on a hair test. And I don't believe everyone's the same. I think there's 7 billion different types of people out there. Um, so I'm sure there's like, you know, an astrological perspective and say, hey, if you are a more of a Venus person born on Friday, you know, or, you know, Venus time in the day, I don't know, <laughs> but, you know, would you be more likely to be a copper dominated person? And then they would have that kind of like part of their, their hero or heroine's journey um, of going through and dealing with that copper essence as kind of being like their life path their life lesson kind of thing do you think that's a thing or is that just absolutely romantic you know i look at myself i was born on a friday i was born in the venus hour so i got a venus venus plus um let's say so born on a friday in the venus hour so i have everything copper related so i've been dealing with copper you know for 12 years i go through phases of a copper dump then it comes down and i go through another copper dump so copper has been my gift and my curse throughout my entire life. So my goal is to turn the curse into the gift. And so understanding about how I'm kind of cultivating my relationships, how I'm understanding the sexual energy, how I'm understanding about the art and the music and the beauty of life. So when I look at all these patterns that we see, you know, I've been dominated by copper since day one. I was born jaundice and have every copper symptom under the sun so just by knowing now my sun sign i'm a saturn so i was born in capricorn so here we have venus attacking saturn 
And that's the bones. And that's why I always would break bones. I've broken ribs. I've broken three ribs here, three ribs here. I've broken this clavicle. I've broken that clavicle. I've broken this wrist. I've broken many of fingers. Oh, okay. I've got my teeth smashed out. I blew out my kneecap. So I've broken almost every bone in my body. And so that's that Venetian energy attacking Saturn or Saturn attacking Venus. And so this is the power of understanding that sun sign and the day of the week to give you that constitutional profile. Because you're going to see that we're going to have, you know, there's going to be 49, there's seven days in the week, but there's a potential of seven, 49 potential uh, planets that can dominate in a cycle. So that's why I always want to look at where the patient is at in their astrological profile. So I can say, oh, you're in a Mars cycle, you're born in Aries, and you're going to have a lot of this Mars stuff. Mars rules the gallbladder, like we said, it rules the muscles, it rules the immune system. So what mineral is always fighting for your immune system? That's zinc. Zinc is, you know, it's the higher octave of iron. So it's churning on your white blood cells so you can have immune system. It, it lines every fluid in your body. So it acts as an antiseptic for, you know, uh, salivary fluids, menstrual fluids, seminal fluids, um, the fluids, the synovial fluids, the cerebral spinal fluids. So all the fluids have zinc in it to act as an antiseptic to keep the infections from getting into our fluids. That's that energy of Mars fighting for your immune system. The herb echinacea is a Mars plant, and so that's always fighting for your immune system. So now if we're dealing with more blood, that's going to be more iron. So when we look at that Mars, your, your blood is red because of iron, where the planet Mars is red because of iron. So iron rules the blood, and so it, you know, Mars rules the blood, it rules the gallbladder, it rules your immune system, it rules the muscles. So if someone's always pulling muscles and straining stuff, then we're going to look at that Mars energy and then I'm going to figure out which remedy I need to come in or how to manipulate the minerals to kind of bring that up a notch. Do you use iron supplementation? I know it's one of the black sheep of hair testing and mineral balancing. Um, do you use it or are you more likely to use like a, a homeopathic remedy for that kind of situation for them? I do both. I, you know, Usually I'll start some with the cell salt iron phosphate, 6X potency, and that can actually change a lab profile. So you can see someone, you know, their hemoglobin is low. You put them on iron phosphate 6X, give it about six months, it can change that profile on the lab. Okay. Sometimes I will come in with, you know, the mineral um, iron. You know, I, I usually use... Uh, Premier Research uh, Phyto Iron. I love that. It's uh, kind of a plant-based uh, iron, and it's very easily absorbable, and I haven't seen any complications from it, and I'm loving that one. I've only been working with that product for less than two years, but I'm seeing good results with that. So, yes, I use iron both physically and I use it energetically in potency. So just curious, just putting some of this astrology in practice, you talked about that Mars energy with muscle strains and all that. Are you more likely to look at iron status in the blood and look at other things to see what's going on there and to see if that's playing a role or you're just going to go, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't just do hair testing. So when I'm profiling, I'm using all the tests. So I'm going to do a blood profile. So I want to know about your ceruloplasma. I want to know about your ferritin, your transferrin. I want to know about the liver enzymes and 
you know, I want to know about everything. Where is that cholesterol? If that cholesterol is high, I'm thinking liver. So I'm thinking most of the adult populations walking around with high cholesterol. It's not the enemy. It just means that we got some liver stagnation. We got liver fire because that cholesterol is so, so important. And so we want to understand cholesterol, not suppress it with statin drugs. Um, and if someone really has extreme high cholesterol, we have nutrient strategies to lower the cholesterol as we're working on the liver, as we're detoxing the liver. So, so yes, I, you know, I, I kind of like using a little bit of everything. No, that's fantastic. I know a lot of the times when I work with clients, they're a little hesitant to go towards more testing, you know, or we might be able to get a blood test and sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get them to test their thyroid. Um, and, you know, so it's great that you're able to just do all of the tests. I'm struggling just to get, you know, a couple of tests in there just because I'm actually interested in knowing what's going on or, you know, worried about potential Hashimoto's or something. And they, some people just don't like to invest in that, you know, seeing what's going on with themselves. Yeah. So. I like proving it. So we see that high, you know, um, you know, the calcium, uh, calcium, potassium ratio is high. And we say we know that's the thyroid ratio. Then we do the TSH. We'll see then you know, the T3, the T4 and the antibodies. And then we see, yeah, your blood is showing that you're hypothyroid. Your hair test is showing that you're hypothyroid. And so we have this correspondence from blood to hair. Then we're always looking at, you know, so usually I'm going to run an organic acid test. You know, I'm going to run a GI map test so I know what's going on with the stool. So I'm looking at you from hair, blood, saliva, stool, urine. I'm looking at everything. So when I'm profiling you, I know a little bit about, you know, why is that, you know, if you see LPHOS low on a blood test, that's zinc. And so then you see, oh, they're hypochlorite. Chlorigia on the um, GI map, they got low stomach acid. There's that zinc again. So then you see the maybe it's high zinc on a hair test, but maybe that zinc is being blocked by copper or cadmium or mercury. So then we see the correspondence and the correlations between it. So I love putting it all together. So I run quite a few labs. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I, I use them when I can, <laughs> but I can't, I never get away with all of those. Usually it's one or two of them at most. Uh, but, you know, um, it just brought up this idea for me. It was like, we were talking about healing reactions earlier and like going through some things. And then you have clients that get regular blood tests. Sometimes they just do it anyway, right? The, good, the people that really check, you know, do the six month uh, physical kind of thing, get their bloods every six months. And they might go through a period and they go, hey, my thyroid's way slower than it was before. But they overlook the fact that maybe they're mobilizing mercury, maybe they're dumping copper, and that can influence the blood tests, um, at least in my perspective. Do you have thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, um, when someone's doing a detox, you know, so the old has to die for the new to be born. So when we're doing some liver detox and we're coming in strong with the liver nutrients and the detox and the coffee enemas and a lot of liver stuff, you know, they're breaking down some old liver cells. Then they go to the medic and they say AST is high, ALT is high, GGT is high, cholesterol is high. They say, your liver is a mess. And I'm saying, no, the old is breaking down, releasing all its content showing up in the blood and urine. 
So that's exactly what we want to happen. So if you take someone's liver, you take a child, you know, seven-year-old kid, you cut out half their liver, it's going to grow back in one year. It's the most regenerative organ in the body. So when we see a lot of this garbage coming out, we're saying, yeah, you're breaking down these old senescent cells. And now life, liver is live. Now that living is starting to come online. You're, you're tapping into that Jupiterian energy of growth and expansion. But first, the old has to die before the new can be built up. So, yes, I'm always uh, comparing and contrasting. Well, just because, I, you know, sometimes like if you don't ask others, especially in this field, there's like a lack of communication among practitioners. We know we're aware of each other, but we don't chat, you know. Um, maybe it'll be on a Facebook post or something, but it doesn't seem to go much further than that, unless I'm the odd one out here. But uh, <laughs> I think that's how it goes. Um, but so I love asking people about that. And that's one of the goals of this podcast is to connect with people and uh, get their ideas on things. Because sometimes you might just feel like you're the only one thinking this, but you like as as I brought up just now, you do that too. So it's like cool. <laughs> so I think we have a lot more in common than. Uh, we might know, you know, fantastic. Yeah, and I appreciate that work that you're bridging, you know, because I didn't reach out. To, I'm kind of shy and I stay in my own world. But, you know, you're more, you know, more. you're younger. Well, I got, what, 30 years on you. So <laughs> I guess I can call you younger. Um, you know, you're, you're opening up the portals to what's going on with other practitioners, old, new, bringing it all together. And I think that's beautiful. So I praise you for the work that you're doing. And that to me is, you know, we, we learn from everyone. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to learn from Malter. I'm going to learn from everyone. I may not agree with what everyone says, but I'm always learning. You know, I went to the seminar just uh, last week. Um, I said, I'll probably know 99%, but I'm looking for the 1% of what I don't know. See, she, this doctor was going to teach me one thing I didn't know. And of course, she did. And so we always have to go in there. What are we going to learn? You know, and, and not say, yeah, I know it all. There's always something we're going to learn. So I think that what you're doing is absolutely beautiful. So I commend yes, you on yes. that kind of bridging all the different thoughts and, you know, because we all go at it a little bit differently. And I think being able to bring myself on and other, you know, practitioners and we, we're always learning. And once the learning stops, you're dead. <laughs> That's it. So like, as I said, I was reluctant to learn about astrology and my wife is like really into medical astrology. Right. And I, so, <laughs> so she'll say the same thing 10 times and I kind of starting to get some things, but I also butcher it, you know, like every time someone asks me my stuff, I mess it up. Like, I don't, I don't remember it all, but I'm just, I'm trying. And I eventually I'm going to hit that time where I'm like going to go deep dive. Cause I do that. I go, you, maybe you're like this too, Robert. It's like, you're aware of something and then there becomes a time when it's like, all right, I'm going to go, you know, deep dive. I'm going to get really immersed in it and just see what's going on there. And when I do that, it's like everything I do is now about that, you know, <laughs> like everything, like it's got to be look through that lens and how I can see things. And then I look back on things, you know, retrospectively and how things, if I did know this, how would have would have come up, you know, and that kind of stuff. So I'll get there. Um, so I've yeah. learned a lot having a chat with you. <laughs> you know, just remember, like, um, like I said, Hippocrates said, you can't call yourself a doctor if you're not well-schooled in astrology. So astrology 
it's been butchered. You know, we got tropical Western Zodiac astrology. We got sidereal astrology, Vedic astrology. Even the whole numbering system is off. So when we think of December, it's the 12th month, but yet deck means 10. When you run the decathlon, it's 10 events. Set means seven, but yet it's the ninth month. October means eight, but yet it's the 10th month. So this is where we have to be able to use the different branches of astrology. So I don't just study one version of it, but what's, what hasn't been corrupted is the seven days. The day you're born on is one of your strongest constitutional because it's, it's, it hasn't been corrupted. Every country on planet earth all agree on the magnificent seven, the seven days of the week. So that's why I use that very strongly in my practice, because that's the one thing I know is still sincere. It hasn't been altered with leap years and, you know, cutting time out, you know, changing clocks and all this, because we don't really know what month we're in because the whole calendar system has been corrupted since the beginning of time. Gregorian Caesar challenging, you know, making his own version of the calendar. So it's been very hijacked. But when we look at the original 12 signs of the Zodiac, those 12 signs of the Zodiac energize the 12 meridians. The 12 meridians light up the 12 cranial nerves. The 12 cranial nerves light up the 12 organ systems. And so this is the beauty of as above, so below, using that alchemical approach while we're working on the scientific you know, biochemistry approach. And we put those two worlds together, then I believe that we have a true healing modality to really help move the cases forward. I, I, I agree. And I think that when people aren't really into planets or considering astrology, like I know it exists. I'm not like denying it. I just, I just wasn't going to deep dive into it because I just knew it was more complicated than minerals. And like, that's complicated. So it's like, you know, so it was like, like to me, like I think, you know, Gaia, like the earth is like a living being. And if they're, if they're beings, I think other planets are beings as well. And I think that obviously their bodies are greater than us, so it can have an influence on us. And you'd be a fool to think the moon doesn't affect the earth and vice versa. So why wouldn't another planet do it? Um, you know, so it's like, I know it's a thing, but an interesting idea is like my wife brought it up to me was that I was born in Canada. And so I was born in Virgo. Um, when I came to Australia, she said, that some systems flip the, the they, they polarize the um the chart because we're now in the southern hemisphere so she said you would actually have a lot more piscean energy so it's this idea maybe you can comment just like one person living in one area and then moving to another with a different effect you know um do you think that's a Absolutely. (laughs) You know, I always look at if someone's at Aries, what's the opposite of Aries? Aries is Mars. You know, it's the beginning of the season. It rules the head. And so Aries, it's its opposite pole is Libra. So that's iron copper right there. So every planet is going to have its polar opposite. So you just can't have myopia and just look at the Aries, look at its opposite energy. Now, my wife is a Cancer. I'm a Capricorn. We're complete opposites in every which way. And so understanding that the opposites attract. And so she teaches me stuff that I wouldn't learn. And I teach her stuff that I wouldn't learn because it's our, even though we can battle at times, but we, we come together seeing that there's got to be a polarity of a yin and a yang of a night and the day between every sign. 
So we're always trying to find that balance where we're the, whether we're on the sun, southern hemisphere or the northern hemisphere. So yes, there's going to be that energy. So I'm always looking at the opposite pole because it's always about balance. And in the scales of Libra, you know, Libra's there to balance, you know, the first half of the season and the scales, and that's the kidneys. The ultimate job of the kidneys is to balance out the pH, you know, to make sure that we're not too acid, we're not too alkaline, because we have to be in balance, and that's the ultimate job of the kidneys. And so I just love how your wife is encouraging you to see the different energies behind it, because, you know, astrology is a study, and, and believe me, I'm not an astrologist, but I'm learning and I'm studying it every day. I'm actually going to try to put together a course. It's going to be a, you know, a seven session course where I'm going to teach, you know, we'll start with, you know, Sunday and we'll look at everything Sunday from homeopathics to the minerals of the sun, to the uh, herbs of the sun, to the energetics of the sun. So we learn the aspects of the sun and then I'll do each day. So I'm working on that. <laughs> That's fantastic. When you do a course on something, and I learned this when I did my course, um, it's that you know something, but when you have to teach it to someone else is how you really know that you know it because you start to notice things or even as you're teaching, like they're like aha moments that you knew, but until you put it all together, you really see it kind of come through. Right. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, I'd be, I'll, I'll take your course. I know my wife would anyway. So, <laughs> cause she's always <laughs> asking me what, what's the astrological effect of this? Or how do you think astrology would affect a hair test? And I'm like, you got to talk to Dr. Robert Selig. I'm like, I don't know. And when I was telling her I was going to have a chat with you, I was like, it might be better if you interview. Because <laughs> you know more about this stuff. You have good questions. I, I don't know much about it. But I guess it's good for the listeners because if I don't know, they might not know either. And we can learn together. Um. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got to go slow with the more esoteric things because the world really hasn't been schooled in it. So I, I don't want to lose patience because I'm talking voodoo and hocus pocus and new age smack and all that stuff. So I got to introduce it more intelligently. So when I say that magnesium is the sun, how do we know magnesium is the sun? I go photosynthesis does not happen without magnesium. So in the porphyrin ring of a plant, of the chlorophyll, it's magnesium, where in the porphyrin ring of you, your blood, it's iron. So the only difference between you and a plant is magnesium and iron. So the magnetic energy of the sun sets the table for the entire food chain for planet Earth is because of magnesium. Every time we see ATP, that the universal currency, you need the spark of the sun to break the triphosphate bond to release the phosphate to create the energy. And without magnesium, it doesn't work. So magnesium captures the quintessence of the sun. People think vitamin D is the sun. Vitamin C is the sun. Well, that vitamin D we know has to be activated in the liver, has to be activated in the kidneys, and the enzyme that, what is it, the alpha hydroxylase enzyme requires magnesium, oxygen, and NADPH to make those enzymes in the liver and the kidney work. So to, you know, to make active vitamin D. So if you have a magnesium deficiency, you can't turn on your vitamin D. So the real sun nutrient isn't D, isn't C, it's magnesium. Yeah, we, the mineral mind is kind of why we called it this is to think minerals are, you know, um, not to say that they're better than vitamins, but they are um, mostly in the fact that like 
your minerals govern your vitamin function. So if you don't have the mineral, it doesn't matter how much of the vitamin you have. And so, you know, when you talk about the sun being magnesium, the first thing I thought was, oh, chlorophyll, that's magnesium. You know, like I got that right away. Um, but for some people, you got to kind of take them through the steps. Um, I always remember, because <laughs> you talked about going a little bit into the new agey stuff. I remember um, David Wolf talks about the sun, you know, and he's like, he's like, it, it, it resonates at the, the same octave as chocolate, which is mag magnesium high. In yeah. That. And then, and then he said, which resonates at the same frequency as a smile. And then it's like, <laughs> and then, yeah, of course, you have like the, the science fact checkers. They're like, bollocks, you know, like, <laughs> not true. But in some way, the sun is connected with, you know, like you can't be really happy without the sun either. You have sad seasonal affective disorder as well, right? So he's not like wrong, but he come at it in a way that was a little too woo for the, <laughs> the scientific community, you know? Um, but I, I still always remember it when you were saying, I kind of rem remembered him saying that, you know? So, <laughs> you know, when you think about the, the sun has to go through the 12 houses. And I said, magnesium is the magnetic energy of the sun. No coincidence that magnesium is number 12 on the periodic table. Hmm. So we see all these little correspondence and correlations, and that's the beauty of the alchemy is just kind of putting it all together, and we can bring the minerals to life, understanding that magnetic energy, that spark of life. And every time we take a picture, remember, we don't do it these days, but back in the old days when you, you know, hit the camera and that bulb spark, that was magnesium. That was the spark, you know, like the sun when it hits your eyes. So. <laughs> We see all these you know, <laughs> correlations and it's really amazing. So yeah. that's why I always said that magnesium is the quarterback in the mineral matrix because it's the sun. Not that Saturn and Mars and Jupiter are not important. Of course they are. But the quarterback is the sun. So that's why I always look at where is that magnesium in the human body? And that's why I love hair testing to really evaluate the status of magnesium. They say teamwork makes the dream work, right? Um, and they say, <laughs> you know, when... Uh, Whenever you have a science, like a true science, um, see if I can compile multiple quotes into one thing. So whenever you have a true science, um, it eventually becomes the philosophy and the principles that build it up and all that, but it eventually becomes an art. And it's, so you have the scientific modules and approach to it, but eventually it becomes more artistic of, as far as how you work with it, right? And mineral balancing is very much like that. We have the science. But then you have different flavors of practitioners and the way that they kind of uh, express the same information in a different way because it's it becomes a bit of an art and with your experience as well. And it reminds me of that other quote. It says, I, you know, is art. It's not the grammar, but I am art, right? Um, and science is we, you know, all of us that are working it together. So we all have our little bit of our artistic approach and how we learn things and what comes together as the science, you know, and I, I think hair testing and mineral balancing really embodies that um you know <laughs> especially in this field of natural medicine which is already an art as well because you know medicine itself is an art uh, and a science <laughs> so i think it's great yeah i think that's beautiful what you said um you know because even when, when we're thinking about art you know you think of that iconic masterpiece by Botticelli the birth of venus where you got the goddess aphrodite sitting on the calcium shell you know that painting was painted in the island of cyprus cyprus in latin means what cooper copper, yeah. copper. 
So the birth of the feminine is the birth of copper. No coincidence that the most feminine planet, Venus, the metal of Venus is copper. <laughs> so we start to see all these correspondence always it's, showing it's up. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't want to keep you much longer, Robert, because I'm really enjoying the conversation, but maybe we can have you on again in the future and we can go a bit more into some of this stuff. But uh, I don't want to take too much of your time. So uh, I just want to thank you for uh, <laughs> all that you've shared today and your your interesting perspectives and the way that you've kind of merged this um this non-physical and physical worlds together to create you know a really a dreamland i guess we can say <laughs> so thank you for that you're very welcome i always say we have we have three eyes two eyes for looking one eye for seeing and so we always want that inner vision and that's where we're always trying to balance everything out and that's the beautiful thing of being able to come on your show and to express my thoughts and listening to other people. So thank you for what you're doing. I'm really encouraged to see that you're reaching out to all of us. So good job. Thanks a lot, Robert. You take care.